Hello, you're listening to the Net Hero podcast. I'm Sunit Bose, and this week it's a subject that's sensitive to many men, particularly a man like me. It's all about hair. Hair today, gone tomorrow. Um, it's a fascinating interview about what happens to waste hair from our salons, hairdressers and barbers around the country. So um, that'll be the interview coming up in a moment. But before that, I just wanted to reflect on what's been going on in the energy markets. There's been a lot of poor communication. Wow, flipping heck. We've had Ovo sending out a email, I think it was, that said, hey, if you're cold, wrap up warm, eat ginger, do the hula hoop. Hmm, not a good one. And then at the time of recording this, just today, uh, news that Eon sent socks to people. Socks as a stunt to say, hey, wouldn't it be good for you to put these socks on to keep you warm? Now, I mention these stories because they're ridiculous for a start. I mean, flipping egg, whoever was the PR people for these people, you really need a new job. But if you look at it, what Eon and Ova have done, I suppose, was meant with good intentions, which is actually the core of what we're all trying to do, which is save energy, you know, do things better, use less. But you've got to get the message right. And I think this is a very important point for this year, because as we move forward into doing more things around net zero, we've got to get the messaging right. Otherwise, you won't take the consumer with you. And that's something that has to be sorted. Because if you don't communicate, I don't think anyone at either Ovo or Orion meant these things badly, but the message is the thing that matters. And if you're helping people to say, come on, come on us this journey with us, let's try and reduce, let's get towards net zero, let's work together and we can do it incrementally. That's one thing. If you're saying, by the way, you might be suffering, but here, here's what we think uh, could, could, you should be doing about it, and it's facile, you'll lose people. So as we move towards trying to reduce, which is going to be so vital, yeah, when you need, we all know we need new sources of heat and energy in the future, but we must, we must deal with the amount we waste. The lecturing cannot happen. We have to have messaging that brings people with us so they don't feel alienated however the good intentions are. So that's my little rant about kind of messaging, which I think will be vitally important as we progress towards our net zero goals. So on to the conversation, all about follicles that I had with a chap called Fry Taylor. As a man in my 50s, I've reached that stage where I'm struggling with my hair. The team, frankly, take the piss because there's a bit of a comb over job happening occasionally. But I have a very good barber who um, has, has managed to make it look like I still have hair. And it was interesting last time I was in there because I was thinking, God, all this hair that they're flipping on the floor. And uh, obviously my younger days, there was plenty of it for them to sweep up. But whatever happens to it, you know, and I've never really thought about that much. You know, what happens to the hair? I assume they just chuck it in the bin. Well, right now, there's a really great initiative going on. It's called Green Salon Collective, and it's basically making hair more sustainable, more heading towards a net zero pathway. And I thought, this sounds fantastic. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Fry Taylor. 
who's one of the co-founders of Green Salon Collective. Fry, uh, thanks for joining us on Future Net Zero. I'm just interested in this. So in, in a sentence, can you explain what Green Salon Collective does? Yeah, essentially, we make hairdressing salons and stylists and beauticians way more sustainable, ethical businesses than they already are. Because if you take anywhere in the world, normally the hair salon is the business that looks the most attractive compared to the, you know, the butcher or the post office or the pub. But environmentally, it's the least attractive. And they create an incredible amount of waste and their recycling rates are very low. So we have circular economy solutions for for all salon waste, um, not not just hair, but obviously hair is the is the most interesting of them all. You were in the hair. In, were you a barber? Were you a hairdresser? I don't even know what to call you. Can I call you a barber? Is that kind of old school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was a, I was a hairdresser, more specifically a hair colorist. Um, So I used to see different side of the waste because I used to see a lot of the chemical waste, which was a real concern for me. I then worked for a large product, hair product manufacturer for 10 years. And then I saw another side of of salon waste. And and it was seeing these both sides of of the industry that that led me to this, led me to creating these these solutions. Right. Well, we'll talk about that in a moment, but let's just go back a second. So as I told you about my story and, you know, you're a man with, People can't see, but you're a man with a good head of hair, and I'm now jealous. When I go to my barber and he um, does the snip snip and what's left of my hair falls on the floor, generally, where does it go? I, does it just go in the bin or do they have special, because they're a business, they have special waste it goes in? I mean, does it go in recycling? I have no idea. Well, normally, before Green Cell and Collective, it would go to landfill or it would go to incineration. And, yeah, obviously, salons um, get through an an incredible amount of hair. And throwing away hair into landfill is is no different to throwing away food into landfill. You just wouldn't wouldn't think to to, to throw your food scraps into landfill, would you? You'd you'd compost them yeah and we need to we need to think this way with hair because it's a it's a valuable resource that can be used for a few different projects there's there's probably five different projects that we're working on with hair at the moment when you talk about um it was probably going to landfill i mean just just so i can get it in my head would they have a separate bag for their hair or would it just go in with their kind of food as well and just a normal bin that that gets chucked How, I assume there must be some rules about that. And obviously we know about the hair cans and the spray cans would probably go into the recycling. But for an average, you know, salon or or, or barbers, is it, would they have somewhere specific that hair gets collected or would it go in the general rubbish? Many salons will have a bin specifically for hair purely just to make life easy in the salon. So okay. they'll have all, all your hair will be swept up into one bin um, that's that's visible. But there's no rules around what a hair salon or a beautician must do. And, and eventually right. that hair will end up with, with the other general waste items. And you mentioned about the recyclables uh, yeah. cans. Unfortunately, the recycling rates for salons are much, much lower than a typical business because of the, the items they do use are highly contaminated. Of course. And as, as yeah. you know, anything that's contaminated is going to end up in end up in landfill anyway so if you look at something like um hairdressing foil so if you have your hair highlighted or colored they use an aluminium foil Mm -hmm. well aluminium as we know can be recycled forever yeah but but because it's contaminated 
it will go to landfill, which which means that since Crazy. the beginning of hairdressing yeah. in the UK up until we launched last year, every single piece of foil ever used across the you know couple of hundred thousand hairdressers that we have is, is in landfill. So this is incredible, right? I mean, you don't think because we've you know we all know what's been going on for the last. 15, 20 years, right? The move to recycling, we've seen that. And in our own household waste, you know, jam jars, whatever. And yes, I, you know, I do have hairspray still. So I'll get some hairspray and it says, pressurized can, do not put in flame, dispose of responsibly. But they don't really give you much uh, sort of kind of clues to where to put it. So I just generally put it in my recycling. So mm. things like, if you just give me a quick potted history of the sort of things, you talked about foil, I assume there's loads of, nasty chemicals and things like color and 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 hairspray what other things are, are produced in a salon that we may not think about as kind of quite nasty toxic materials the, the big one is definitely the, the metal so you touched on cans and and the cans in salons probably are being recycled but a can of hairspray in a salon will last weeks or months whereas a salon would would go through you know many kilograms of aluminium foil and color tubes in in a day right hair is is obviously uh, a, a huge waste stream for for the business and and even the plastics that they use again if if a salon is is using a mixed recycling system we found that the the recycling rates are, are around 10% because these bottles that they use, they've got this very sticky residue inside them. You know, there's like a developing lotion for the hair color. So, yeah, un unfortunately, most most salon, a uh, typical salon, not on our system, uh, has a recycling rate of, of less than 10%. That's incredible. And as you said, they're not doing anything wrong because there's no legal no. compunction on them to do something that you know there's no rules by the local councils or government to say this is what you must do this is hazardous waste this is whatever mm, that's right and many of them don't even don't even know they think that they've got a recycling bin they, they put everything yeah. in it and they're just assuming that, that someone is sorting and cleaning and separating the, their waste for them but unfortunately that's that's not the case as, as we know until now so <laughs> <laughs> great plug you're very good at this all right so Talk me through this, the idea of, of the Green Salon Collective, how it came about. You said it's been going about a year or so. So how did it come about? What did you do? How, how does it work? Explain that to us. Yeah, so I do get credit for hair recycling, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't us that invented <laughs> hair recycling. I must be clear on that. Well, I'm from, my family's from India. They, they've been doing that for a long time. Really. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. In parts of India, uh, it was mixed with, with cattle dung and used as, yeah. a, as, as a fertilizer because right, typically, yeah. typically a fertile like cattle dung would have, you know, perhaps 1% nitrogen in it, whereas hair will have up to 16, 17% nitrogen. Uh, so it's incredible for, for that gardening and composting. But I guess what, what made uh, sort of hair recycling popular was in, do you remember a long time ago, the Exxon Valley oil spill? I do. Uh, I think it was around the late 80s, wasn't it? Early yeah, 90s. Right. Yeah, yeah. And there was an American hairdresser called Phil McCoy. And he was watching this wildlife come out of the out of the water. And we have this habit of, of hairdressers, no matter what the situation, we, we always look straight to the hair. And that was his first thought. He looked to the hair and he noticed that the, the fur on these animals was, was drenched in this oil. Right. And he thought, well, that makes sense because hair will adsorb oil. And if you've got oily, greasy hair, and if you jump into the shower and don't 
don't actually shampoo your hair, all you do is just rinse it, your hair is still going to be oily and greasy because hair will absorb oil in water. So he took this concept, he took a pair of his, his wife's stockings and he... <laughs> You're making this up. This no, like... it's totally true. It's totally true. He, he, uh, he, he shoved both legs, um, stuffed them full of hair. Yeah. Uh, and he took them up to his bathroom and, and filled his tub with water and put some oil in it. And he basically closed the legs on the, on the stockings. <laughs> and sure enough, the oil was gone. The oil had been absorbed by the hair in these, in these tights. Um, so this became a campaign where hairdressers across the um, across the area where he was living, they they started collecting the hair, they started collecting animal hair as well, which is even more absorbent. And they used these. Um, I'm not sure if they uh, if they used solely um, their wife's tights, but they they used <laughs> cotton tubes and nylon tubes, and basically created what looks like a huge sort of hairy sausage type shape. Yeah, the booms uh, that they use for booms. Yeah, we've seen them for years. That's, a, yeah. that's from the Exxon Valdez in 89. I had no idea. Yeah, that's maybe cool. maybe people predated him, but he's the one that sort of got the attention of, of the hairdressing community. And for a long time, it was um, like a grassroots thing in, in North America. And where I was living up until recently in Australia, it was a few sort of small projects that were happening. Right. And... We, myself and, and the two people I founded Green Salon Collective with, we were looking back at the UK because the UK hairdressing is is where hairdressers go to for their inspiration. It's the, you right. know, the, the, the capital, all the latest styles, techniques, they all come from, you know, from London or Paris. So we were looking back at the industry thinking, God, there must be there must be heaps of companies there that are, are all have these hair recycling systems in place. And I, I genuinely thought that my that my computer search engine wasn't working because <laughs> nothing was coming up. Computer says no. <laughs> yeah, computer did say no. And there was this everything we searched was just coming up in America. So we thought, right, well, this is um, this is a real problem here because you know the the solutions are there; they're just not being done. What we do at Green Salon Collective is is really just sort of get experts together to create these solutions. And we knew there was solutions for recycling contaminated metals we knew we could recycle hair we knew that we could solve this problem so so yeah so that's what we that's what we set out to do so you started this when uh, during lockdown last last year or, or, or what yeah we eventually launched when things reopened in july of 2020 Right. And we really launched out of demand because every every stylist was at home. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember that. We, <laughs> they were all, all that terrible hair we all had. We were desperate to get haircuts. Yeah. Yeah. But what it did was it made stylists reflect on, on their impact um, that their business was having. And there was one stylist who I spoke to, and she actually wasn't even going to open her reopen her salon. She was going to lay off five staff because wow. she could see how detrimental to the environment her salon was. And she was going to retrain and do a completely different career. And we had lots of people like that that were just very concerned. They knew that these items wasn't getting recycled. They knew that their business was was causing more harm than good. And we just had uh, yeah, just an influx of, of demand. People saying, we, you know, we want this. We don't know when we're going to open, but we want it in our system for when we do open. Before we talk about what you actually do, how does it operate? Do you have like a van you go and collect stuff from? What areas do you operate in? And what do you do? Do you sort the stuff? Can you talk us through that? Yeah, it's it's UK and Ireland wide. 
and we're going to go into a few countries in in Europe this year. We use existing logistics networks of of people like Parcel Force and UPS, and we've got a great partner in in London, First Mile, who help us with our with our collections in in London. But essentially, what we do is we turn the salon into a, like a little mini sorting center. So the salon actually does the hard work for us. So they have a bin ah, just for their okay. metals. They have a bin just for the hair. They have a bin for whatever waste streams they, they want to give us. And then when the items come to us, then we're able to deal with them. So, so metals is a good one because all the contaminated foil and color tubes are kept together. That means that they're now not ruining the paper and the cardboard and the hair and, and then all the other things. Yeah, so exactly. when it comes to us, we can ensure that they get separated a little bit more, like we separate the tubes from foil, for example. But not only are they now recycled for the first time, but as I said, it's a commodity, so we make money from it. So the, our pledge is that when we make money from the waste streams, we give that to a couple of uh, charities. So last year, our first full year, we were able to raise about, about seven grand from selling waste. And, Amazing, and that's all gone to a couple of uh, yeah, a couple of charities in the UK. So, in terms of, do you have like a sorting place, like you know, like like a big waste station? Where mm. and where where is that? And so, does all the waste come to you, and then you you sort it like you know, like a a big company would do right now for our garbage? Yeah, that's right. So, all most of our waste will go to Park Royal to to London, uh, where it's sorted and separated. I'm based in in Belfast. And I run a lot of the, the Bit hair. Of a commute, mate. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I run a lot of the hair projects. So I have a location here in Belfast where I receive, you know, shipments of hair. Um, but most of it is is all carried out in in London. All that sorting and separation. And it's, um, oh. it's yeah, it's done by the guys at First Mile. They they help us out with that. Really, so we, really we don't have to be there. Brilliant, brilliant. Look, I mean, our, our, our site, FutureNet Zero, is about, you know, businesses doing things. And we have no problem with people making money. So we're not, like, kind of expecting it. So is it working as a financial thing as well? Have you become a, a growing business? Because it sounds you've got a solution that people might might want. Well, this is, this is quite interesting, actually, because salons that join our system, they make more money, even though our services are much more expensive than a regular commercial collection so on average why do they make more money so on average our salons will attract our members will attract three new clients within the first two months so (laughs) first and first and foremost they're attracting new business because those three clients are hopefully going to come back again and again a salon will typically save around three thousand pounds on commercial collections because typically your waste collections comes out of the bottom line of your business. Yes, of course. What happens with our system is that our member salons charge their clients, charge their guests, a, a one pound green fee. They might call it an, an eco fee. And we provide them with all the materials to spread the message about how they're recycling hair, how they're recycling metals, how they're you know supporting all of these uh, different organizations. And that means that by charging their clients that one pound green fee their costs are are covered and they're actually profiting from that green fee they're profiting by getting new clients they're saving money from their commercial collectors because they're either using them less or not using them at all Uh, and it's a win it's a win for everyone because it's very 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 rare 
that someone will, will, will opt out of paying that one pound green fee. No, no, absolutely. Why would you? And, and everyone knows about the things that we see in salon. So, yeah, we, we totally get that. Uh, as I say, I, I, I'm going to use the cliche, where there's milk, there's brass, where there's hair, there's there's cash. So, that's <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what we do with all this stuff. So um, the, 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 we'll do the hair last, but obviously yeah. the things that you talked about there, like the foils now and yeah. the tubes what about the chemicals i mean do you have a way of getting rid of any of that or does that have to get incinerated what talk us through those things before we do hair yeah the chemicals is really has to be an incineration we did look at a process of spitting the chemicals to remove the water right. um but it's you have to add more chemicals to the chemicals before you spin yeah. them it's not and sustainable is it either, either no. in terms of energy or or the exactly. material so incineration uh, is, is really the, the option for that. However, most salons are, are recommended by local council to, to just pour the chemicals in, in the sink, uh, which, is, which, is, what? Which, is, which is something that really bugged me because I worked for this large product company. That's amazing. If we, if we were caught putting, you know, litres of hydrogen peroxide and ammonia mm. and monoethanolamine into the water system, we would have got huge fines, huge. But there are, you know, <clears throat> the best part of half a million hairdressers doing it every day and they're encouraged to do it, <laughs> which is just Incredible. unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Oh, my God. This so, is a real shocker. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I mean about the the salons. You look, you walk in, and they look beautiful. But it's like it's like that's that swan analogy where they look so graceful, but underneath the, the legs are really going. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah, going yeah. For it. That's what a salon's like. So yeah, color waste. The best thing, obviously, is to is to just not have any color waste at all. But interestingly, color waste stylists on average will twenty percent of what a hairdresser will actually mix up will never actually make it onto anyone's head. To begin with so there's little things like that that we need to help salons improve you know how much are they actually mixing up in the first place so we, yeah, we yeah, try there's a few yeah. systems um that sort of make salons not have the color waste in the first place but for those that do then then yeah then a waste energy process is is the best option for, for chemical uh, waste and then the other stuff like the foil and the cardboard and paper you you you, you recycle all of that yeah, so things like paper and cardboard is, is yeah more of a traditional process. Even even the metals, so even the foil and the and the color tubes, again that's still a traditional you know aluminium recycling process. But as I said, the reason it hadn't really been done before is because of that that contamination. But the contamination is only an issue in the sorting centre. It's not an issue when it comes to actually recycling it. So we we can you know we will bail up you know several tons of of aluminium foil and then they'll get sent to a, a location here in the in the uk where they're recycled this might be a tough question but do you have a rough percentage of what you think you're recycling much more than than you know if you said uh i don't know the waste you collected is a hundred right how much of that waste do you do you think you're recycling now 60 50 40 sort of figure that's, yeah that's a tricky one because many salons will come they'll join us for the for the difficult items like hair like foil like color tubes right uh, and then they'll continue to recycle paper and cardboard locally yeah. um, and we you know we were we encourage that in many cases as well depending on where they are if, if they've already got a local solution for cardboard then you know why send the cardboard to london that doesn't make any any sense 
But yeah, salons have been completely turned around because the the biggest waste stream of a salon is met, is metal, is foil, and that's something that was that wasn't recycled and now 100% is. In terms of like volume, since we launched 18 months ago, we have just around 800 salons on our system now and freelancers. Brilliant. And, and together they have done about 45 tons of of waste. Wow. Um, and about four tons of that is is hair. Four to five tons of that is hair. Well, we've we've built it up. Let's leave let's <laughs> leave hair to the last. So here we go. So right now, what the hell is hair, first of all? You know, it's obviously it's an organic material. From what I remember in my biology, it's it's something called keratin. It's like a protein, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah. So yeah. when we take hair, first of all, does it actually just decompose eventually? It will depend because if it's just a bag of hair that could potentially last hundreds of years because it's not necessarily going to decompose within itself. We have the same problem uh, in our industry with these salon towels. So a lot of salons will use these biodegradable towels. Yeah. And they don't actually break down when, you know, unless you've just got 100 biodegradable towels in a plastic bag. If you look at hair in compost, if you're just doing it in home composting, you really can't go any more than 10% hair in your compost because right. it, just, it just won't break down. And e even that 10% will take, you know, a good six to, to, to 12 months to actually break down. Pretty tough but, stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But a lot of the compost, like so we, if you used it in like an anaerobic digestion process, yeah. then you, you breaks down in about five weeks. So a lot of what we do with the hair is is that process where we we mix it with food waste and garden waste, and we're able to create a, you know, as I said, like quite a nitrogen rich compost, yeah, which has already been used to grow fruits and, and vegetables in in the UK. So you you've got um you've got a person I think in your team called Stephanie, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yes, Stephanie. You know, R and D. I think yeah, you've nicknamed her the the head nerd. I think that's yes. quite. <laughs> So what, yeah. tell me what you're using the hair for now. The, the hair that you're collecting, tons and tons of it each year, where's it going right now? Yeah, well, Stephanie's job is to find new solutions because we know that oil spills work, but we, we can't just always sit around on, on tons of hair waiting for an oil spill. We, we had a small oil spill in, in Northern Ireland last year, and that was great to use hair for that. You can use hair for cleaning up just dirty rivers and weirs with hair. That's that's great to, to, to use it for that. But yep. Stephanie's, Stephanie's job is to come up with new solutions. So she's working with different institutions and, and PhD researchers. There's a lady who's been working on hair for seven years. She's one of our research partners. Her name is Sana Visser. And she has created a rope from hair. And this is from this is from short hair like like yours. Um, hair a that rope. A rope. A really thick, durable yeah. rope. We Love. we used this rope at a recent exhibition to create a swing. And it was you could actually um, you could feel the hair stretching when you oh. when you when you sat on this swing. Was it safe, right? It was safe. It was safe. We had no uh, no injuries. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's amazing. So you can make rope with it. Yeah. And you're yeah, using it in soil, you said already. Is that right? 
Yeah, already using it in soil. So, so Stephanie is working with the University of Southampton to, to do further research on the effects of the microorganisms within the soil. A lot of the hair usage has, is, is anecdotal. Like, like you said, your family, you know, they, you know it's been used in, in yeah. composting. So we really wanted to, this year, put some money into doing some, some proper research and, and producing some proper papers on, on what actually works and what doesn't. And the rope is one of them. Uh, we've worked with um, uh, a company that creates wool, and they've been able to create a yarn that is uh, 60% British uh, sheep wool, but 40% human hair. Incredible. And she is working with an architect who uh, is looking at using hair as part of insulation. We know... Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Stop, stop me there. Hair <laughs> as insulation? Yeah, again, it's another one of those anecdotal things because there were parts in Syria and they were using hair in their clay in their clay buildings, their clay homes, uh, and they were using hair to for, for insulation. I mean, we know that hair, I mean, that's what hair does for animals, isn't it? It's insulation for animals. Of course, yeah. So, so it's, yeah, well, imagine that. I mean, everyone's struggling with, you know, the insulation. We need much more insulation to make our homes more efficient. Mm. But they're made of nasty chemical stuff that we all know. That's mm. incredible. That's it. Is is that progressing? Is that actually just a kind of concept, or any products you think are, are coming made of, you know, hair insulation boards made with hair? At the moment, it's being prototyped with um, with wood, so the hair and the woods together. So that 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 one seems like it could be quite realistic. Things like the wall, I'm, I'm less optimistic on purely because of the practical use of it. It's it's yeah. great that you can like even the rope. It's great that you can create a rope. But who's going to use that rope? You know, who? Maybe for a dog lead. Maybe in, yeah. yeah. Maybe on certain boats. Uh, you know, there, there might be use for it. And that's really what we need to go a lot further into this this year and, and to find the practical uses for for these. You you're you're very keen on the circular economy idea, aren't you? Clearly, I can see. Mm. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. You know, why does that matter to you so much? I think because half of the the passion for Green Salon Collective is is about doing something positive for the hair and beauty industry, because that's all I've that's all I've known, and half of it is is to do something good for the environment. And and we just knew, well, I just assumed that if I could create circular economy solutions for the different waste streams of a hair salon and make them positive for the for the salon for the environment and the community, I knew that I could create a a more respected industry. Because the hairdressing industry is one of those ones that it's it's often a low-paid industry. It's often um, not the most sort of respected industry. And I really wanted to do something to, to elevate the industry and and for the for the hair and beauty industry to have something else to be proud of. Yeah, I get that. It's one of those things where you know my missus, God knows how much it costs. It costs a lot. She goes, mm. and you always think you know it's part of what we all do all around the world. You know, hair is a yeah. part. Hair is a symbolism you know here i am worrying about my hair going at the age but you know it's symbolism it's power it's fashion it's all those things but yeah. also it's it it has always had a very high kind of you know we've done things to our hair that use a lot of nasty things we, you know mm. it, it went from from my 80s hair gel see when i had a flat <laughs> top dry, right? you know that stuff I'm trying to get it off your fingers you think god where is that going um, what's your hope for this what's your hope for the for the collective my hope is that it, it becomes just industry standard practice. You know, like um, a, a long time ago, salons would, would only come 
and now it's hard to find a salon that doesn't cut and color unless you know unless it's a barber and even barbers do, do a bit of color so I, I just want this to become standard practice for for all salons as i said it's not just uh an environmental incentive it makes the businesses earn more money so it it, it makes sense for for everyone to be involved in it I, I look i love it right i think it's brilliant when i when i got wind of this i thought this this guy i've got to get him on uh, the podcast but what are your friends what are your old colleagues who are still cutting hair think <laughs> of this what did you have i don't know if you've got family kids what, what do they think yeah i have two boys and 11 and nine and they think that it's just the, the maddest, strangest job. Well, what's your dad do? Oh, we sort <laughs> hair and turns it into rope. <laughs> yeah, one one of them actually uh, just says I'm a postman now because he's fed up trying to explain uh, explain it when people ask. That's brilliant. That, 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 but they must be proud of it because young kids, they really get all this stuff, don't they? They do, they do, yeah. They, um, they, they really enjoy it. And they've done little talks at their school, uh, you know, about, about the usage of hair. And, and I know deep down that they're proud and but it's one of those things initially people just thought I was mad and it was just another you know crazy idea um, yeah. but but now I you know they can see it's making a difference like over 40 tons in 18 months I'm really proud of that amazing and, yeah and that's less than one percent of the industry so uh, what about your mates who are still in the industry what do they say yeah a lot of uh, a lot of eye rolling um <laughs> <laughs> a lot of eye rolling yeah does anyone give you anyone now what happens to your hair mate that's what i want to know when you have a haircut <laughs> well as you can see i've not had a cut in quite some time um but i uh what i do is uh, i put it around my plants at home and, and anyone who's listening i would say the same take your haircut home put it around the bottom of your pot plants and you'll you'll see them thrive omg this is gonna be hilarious when i go in next week <laughs> <laughs> I'll say to Tano, my hairdresser, Tano, mate, can I just grab my hair? Yeah, it. bring it home. I need it for the yucca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fry, I think this is absolutely brilliant. What you're doing, what your team are doing, fantastic. On two reasons I love it. One is I just think it's a brilliant idea, but B, you know, we're really keen on people doing things actively and, you know, without any kind of shame on it making it financially successful because that's what we've got to do we've got to make it rewarding for people to change behavior so thank you so much for joining us on the net hero podcast um if people want to know more about it have you got social media what what can they do to find out more yeah if you, if you want to go to a salon that is is on our system you just go to greensaloncollective.com and we have a salon locator uh, and we have a, a salon in, in pretty much every every town and city across the uk and ireland so yeah come and uh, come and donate your hair yeah brilliant now that's good I'll, I'll talk to my barber and see if he's he's part of it uh fry thanks very much for joining us this week my pleasure great stuff there from fry and the green salon collective check it out on social media i think they're doing a brilliant job and uh, i would donate more but uh, i need to hold on to what i've got to keep it in winter months um, big news coming which we've sort of mentioned already but we have now officially confirmed everything for june the 21st the longest day of the year will be a brilliant day it is the big zero show big zero show will showcase for all of you out there, particularly those in the commercial and public sector organizations, how you can start doing things actively this year towards net zero. We'll be bringing you plenty more of that on the website. We'll be bringing you lots on social media. You'll start to see lots more about it, but just get that date in the diary, 21st of June. 
The Big Zero Show will be taking place in Coventry. It was called the Rico Arena. I think it's now called the CBS Arena. But if you are interested in Net Zero, practical steps to try and get towards Net Zero, then you will soon be able to register your interest to attend. It will be a free event and it's open to anyone. But we'd obviously encourage people in the energy sustainability sector to come along. So June the 21st, Big Zero Show, much more about that coming soon. That's it for this week. Plenty more coming up next time. Please make sure you subscribe, like us, share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for listening. I'm Sumit Burrs and you've been listening to The Net Hero Podcast. You've been listening to The Net Hero Podcast with Sumit Bowes from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.